Across the state of South Carolina, we are seeing a precipitous rise in violence inside of our schools. What are the numbers looking like? Why is this happening? And what can we do about it? Also, President Biden is heading back to the Palmetto State. This is the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Welcome in. I'm Justin Hall. Really quickly, before we dive into our topics today, we at Palmetto Family want to send our sincerest prayers to the people of Kentucky and the surrounding areas after the devastating tornado outbreak just last Friday evening, particularly Y'all, there was a tornado that was a mile wide that was on the ground for 200 miles. Unbelievable devastation across Kentucky, and many lives have already been lost. And Samaritan's Purse is on the ground right now, and if you want to give to their relief efforts, we'll give you the link in our podcast description, but you can visit them at SamaritansPurse.org. We literally just got an email from our partner in Kentucky, David Walls. Uh, He actually sent this talking about a member of their church outreach and Christian engagement coordinator, Baxter Boyd. He and his family were right in the path of the tornado in Princeton, Kentucky. He says, we praise God that he and his family all survived, but his neighborhood was devastated, including tremendous damage to his house and his parents' house that was two doors down. The pictures that they're sharing on here literally look like a a bomb went off, nuclear explosion. Uh, Baxter and his wife, who is pregnant with their first child, oh my um, are, are doing fine. But as you look around, yeah. it is absolutely devastating. You talk a 200-mile-long stretch yeah. of a mile wide. So think yeah. about that. That is 200 square miles of tornado space. Destruction. Yeah. Destruction. Absolute destruction. And that's that's just the line where the tornado was, not the ancillary areas. Right, where things were getting destroyed. So if you want to give to those efforts, you can do that. Samaritanspurse.org. Click on the give link. We'll provide that link in the podcast description. So hard pivot, but as you heard, joined as always by Mitch Prosser and Dave Wilson here on a Tuesday, wherever you might be listening. Maybe it's Wednesday when you're listening. Who knows? But we're happy that you're with us. We want to lead off today with this issue of violence inside schools and not just gun violence, because I believe there's more than just shootings happening on our on our school grounds across the state. We spoke to someone inside the state house recently who said the following, and it, and it hit me. It seems like every day a kid is bringing a gun to school in South Carolina. According to, the, uh, according to a report, there have been at least five instances of gunfire and 29 reports of firearms on school grounds this year, according to that report. And in Florence, one school district You ready for this? They've reported 225 fights in this school year alone that started in August, and they're only halfway through. 225 fights in the around the 14th largest school district in the state. I think when you take a look at this, it really becomes a very telltale sign, and it makes you ask the question, what in the world is going on here? I mean, we have to keep in mind that students have been out of the classroom. They're not necessarily used to being together like they have been in the past because with COVID and everything else and and everything that goes along with that level of the, the instability you realize how much instability can create that level of of angst that exists, and and it's only getting worse. It seems there's no doubt about that, Dave. I, as I look at this, and and we talk about the buildup of a lot of different factors at play here. There's no doubt that children and students outside the classroom now re-entering, and and all that plays a factor. But I also want to go back to something that I think's been playing a factor for generations now, and that's the pervasive uh, agenda of secular humanism. And and I don't want to blame it all on scientific classrooms and 
evolution. But I, I, I'd, I'd say this. When you're telling students that they're nothing more than animals, don't expect them to act any other way. I think the significance of what's happening in the curriculum in our classrooms right now matters. Another key area is critical theory. We are intentionally dividing people right now, not just people in the culture, not just people in the corporate world, not just people politically red, blue, black, white, Republican, Democrat. We're dividing classrooms right now through the teaching of of critical theory, whether that's critical economic theory and the 99 versus the one, whether that's critical gender theory and the LGBTQ plus agenda and, and the rest of the heteronormative normative world, or if we're teaching critical race theory and black versus white or minority versus oppressor, we're teaching division in our schools. I'd hate to just distill it down to this, but it's the world being the world. It's sin continually spreading into our culture. And, and I think it's important for us to understand that there are specific things that as Christians, we not only have to stand up for, but there are things that we can do as well. This is an alarming issue, and it is pervasive in so many different areas. As a matter of fact, there's a story from News 13 out of the PD where a school resource officer was talking about students bringing guns to school. He said, some of them are bringing guns in because they're afraid of other people in the school or they're bringing guns because of retaliatory situations. Mm -hmm. So for some people, for some of these kids, the violence is the only way of being able to deal with the conflict. They don't understand how to do conflict resolution. It is, let me just beat up the other person. Let me find some way to attack the other person because there is no relating with other people. EQ. Emotional intelligence is so important, and I think it's taking a dip, and and we could talk about all the reasons why. We could throw a lot of stuff at a wall. Some of it would stick, but emotional intelligence is extremely important, and the emotional health and well-being of our children is at stake here. It's being it's being destroyed. You could t- you could talk about whether it's through technology, whether it's through the pandemic, whether what it is. Emotional intelligence is important, but I'd also connect emotional health and intelligence to spiritual health as well. Well, this isn't a brand new problem either. Um, full disclosure, I was I went to a, a local public high school just across the river in Lexington County. I graduated in 2013. That wasn't that long ago. And I remember we had fights in school probably once every two weeks. I mean, no, I mean, we only had one major, you know, melee nothing nothing other than that and a couple of couple of gun threats and things of that sort but this is a problem that isn't new this is a problem that's been going on for quite a while which i think goes to the issue it's been exacerbated by the fact that these students were virtually participating in education which that brought out a lot of other issues with what they're being taught but the behind that the windfall from that is now you're back in school you're back face to face and you don't know how to relate to people you don't know how to solve your problems because from what i remember and from what i gather 
you're not fighting against each other because you're mortal enemies. It was right. usually over something petty and dumb, and the only way you felt like you could defend your honor is by punching them in the face. And I am not going to 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 knock the device that you're listening to us on. Y- yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Let's so let's be honest. You're probably listening on your phone. Thank you. Right. And I don't want to turn around and knock the the, the right. importance right. of you taking the time to listen to this podcast. But at the same time, I know as a dad with teenagers, and and I do this all the time. You know, they, you pick up the phone mm-hmm. and I say, "Well, have you talked with them?" And they'll they'll text them. That's not talking. Talking and, and having a conversation is not the use of your thumbs. Yeah. It is actually a verbal thing. And and when you get to a place where you can begin to, one, recognize how to be in a conversation with someone, how to recognize the differences in opinion, and appreciate other people, you actually recognize and go, wait, I can bring resolution to an issue. I don't have to just beat somebody up because of something. So to bring this to... A landing spot then for the folks who are listening. What can we do about this? The numbers the numbers are going up. The numbers are alarming. Certainly, if you have a child in the public school system, you are aware of these issues. I would say the number one thing you need to do is you need to be involved in your in your school board meetings. You need to be involved with your district offices. You need to go to these meetings. And if they aren't holding them publicly, you need to rally to have them be held publicly again. Justin, there's a story out of Louisiana a while back. I was listening and it was dads involved. It, they they were having record problems with students in violence and dads just went to the school. They, they did an entire piece on this, about a five minute video about what's happening at this school in Louisiana. And they, the dads are in the school. They take shifts. They're in there eight hours a day. They're telling dad jokes. They're feeding the kids lunch. There is a dad or dads in that school. I think it's important for men and women, parents, to be involved with their children, teaching conflict resolution, teaching emotional intelligence, and helping our students, our young people, our children, be able to handle the world that they are entering into. And I think that's huge. For those of you listening right now, if you're a parent, have those conversations with your kids. If you aren't a parent and you're in a church, find ways for your church to plug into your local schools, whether they're public, private, Christian. If, if you're part of a homeschool co-op, get involved and teach students and our children how to be able to handle the world around them, conflict resolution, and emotional intelligence juxtaposed with spiritual intelligence on a daily basis. And so shifting from that in other news around the Palmetto State, this is a hard turn, y'all. <laughs> president Joe Biden is returning to the Palmetto State. The president is set to deliver the commencement address for the South Carolina State Class of 2021 commencement ceremony on Friday. Wait, wait, Friday. wait. That screech you just heard was the tires turning left really fast. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, Joe Biden's coming into town. He was supposed to be... Well, actually, this this was a speech that was supposed to be delivered by Representative Jim Clyburn. Now, keep in mind, he has the majority whip mm-hmm. in the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. He is the third ranking member of the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives. And he is the reason Joe Biden got the nomination. Yes. Let's just be single-handedly. honest. Single-handedly. The power of yep. Jim Clyburn, especially when you look at him in South Carolina and the context of what went on, he single-handedly 
raised Joe Biden to the status that he needed in order to launch the rest of his campaign all the way across America during the primary of February of 2020. We all know that the road to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue goes through South Carolina. It's the first in the South for a reason. And presidential campaigns are made or broken here in the Palmetto State. I have said this quite often. So let's talk about that that fact real quick. And so you can begin to understand how do you look at South Carolina contextually? There are four early primary states in America, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. They typically go in that order. And so you can have somebody who can win the Iowa caucus, someone who can win the New Hampshire primary, but South Carolina is this, this cistern this kind of mechanism that can take political candidates and chew them up and spit them out. And it's almost like sport in South Carolina, the mm-hmm. way that we handle politics, because our JV politics will beat the pros any any day of the week. Anywhere else. And so in that vein, with the exception of 2012, when Newt Gingrich won the presidential primary in mm-hmm. South Carolina, that's, you know, that's because he was the next the door outlier. neighbor. Yeah, and he was the outlier at the time. But since 1980, South Carolina has picked the, the presidential candidates. I mean, it happened with Obama. Yep. Obama came into South Carolina in 2008, down 35 points, and won by that same number over Hillary Clinton. How did he do that? Same situation that you see with Jim Clyburn and, and the back influence that went on with that. You have the same thing happen on the Republican side. We pick presidents in this state. So President Biden is returning within the first year of his presidency. And that's different than his Democratic predecessor, President Obama, who, after winning in 08, didn't return to the Palmetto State for nearly seven years, not even so much as for a Subway sandwich. He stayed in Washington. Joe Biden is coming back in within the first year. And what a time to do it, because he's in the he's in the middle of a very tense situation. His numbers are dropping precipitously and he needs some help. What better way than the majority whip to invite him to give a commencement address when he's trying to get his build back better agenda passed? And that is the point. This is where politics and 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 public events come into play here. And folks, understand this. Joe Biden coming to South Carolina to speak at a predominantly African-American school is a major attempt at the White House's part to re-bolster the numbers for the president because they're in the tank right now. I mean, let's just be honest. Joe Biden's numbers are in the tank right now, Mm -hmm. and this is a move, a wise move, in order for Jim Clyburn to, to kind of reinvigorate the Biden administration and the Biden White House. So what does that mean for you? As you're listening to this right now, you're thinking, oh, that's great. Traffic's going to be backed up in Orangeburg. At Palmetto Family, we want to make sure that we are giving the candidates the issues as presidential campaigns and candidates are already coming to the Palmetto State. We want to make sure that they aren't telling us what they want to talk about. We want to tell them what they need to be talking about. That's why the Palmetto Family Matters magazine was published, because we want to be sharing the issues that matter most to South Carolinians, not just with our constituency here in South Carolina. We want to make sure that nationally, nationally, presidential candidates and campaigns know 
what South Carolina is all about. This isn't this isn't new to the Biden presidency. According to the state newspaper, uh, First Lady Jill Biden visited South Carolina twice in the month of October. The first trip was to West Columbia's Brooklyn Baptist Church to mark a 50th anniversary of their Reverend Charles Jackson. The second time she went down to Medical University of South Carolina and the Joint Base Charleston Military Base. So the Biden presidency and the Biden administration is acutely aware of the impact that South Carolina had on his campaign and the impact they will have on, as it stands right now, his re-election campaign. They understand and they are playing their hand now. Dave, you mentioned that the numbers don't look great. That's an understatement. According to a Rasmussen poll, 43% of likely U.S. voters approve of the job of the president. 56% disapprove. The latest figures include only 23% who strongly approve and 46% who strongly disapprove. So that's a minus 23, according to the latest Rasmussen poll, which was put out on Monday. That's down 20 plus points in 10 months, ladies and gentlemen. That's a big deal. When you look at that perspective, you begin to understand looking at all of this stuff happening around you, you now understand why things are operating the way that they are. Again, this is why South Carolina is so important. We outswing our weight politically because everybody who wants to go to the White House to be leader of the quote-unquote free world has to come through South Carolina. This is why you are so important in this process because it's not just what we at Palmetto Family do. It is what we collectively, as the Palmetto Family family, are doing. This goes back to that whole idea of the cultural guardrails of South Carolina and you playing your part as a reflector on that guardrail, reflecting the light and love of Jesus in your community. And while we're talking about the president coming to South Carolina and we're already looking ahead to 2024 when those primaries are happening and when the election cycle turns there, I want to mention that there is an election cycle coming in the next calendar year. We're very close to 2022 and we're excited because we're launching brand new content here at Palmetto Family Council, including on the Palmetto Family Council app. And that is our candidate conversation series. Now, the legislative session is going to have its own twist and turns in 2022. And if you follow South Carolina politics, you know that. But the candidate conversations podcast that Dave is going to be hosting, this gives you more insight into the candidates that are running for public office in this state. So Dave, tell us a little bit more about that. As a recovering journalist, I can tell you right now, there's only about 22 minutes of news in a typical half-hour newscast, which means you do not have time to have in-depth conversations and really get information out there about the things that are important. As we go into 2022, we are going to be electing constitutional officers across South Carolina, as well as every single state house seat all 124 of them, and we need to make sure that you know where people are on the issues that are out there. So we're going to be having those conversations with candidates so that we can begin to dive into where they're coming from, why they feel the way that they do, what are some of the things that they want to be able to do and accomplish when they're in those offices with the governor, the lieutenant governor, the superintendent of education, our attorney general, and a host of other positions that we're going to be having candidate conversations with that you can, of course, access on our app. 
You can download that app right now on the App Store. The look up Palmetto Family Council, download the app because we are going to have all brand new content that is exclusively available through the app. And that's an important place for you to connect with the things that we're doing. Not to mention the app exclusive content. I'm going to encourage you to download the app if you haven't heard the Palmetto Family Council app. There is an exclusive docu-series right now we've released parts one through three of our exclusive docu-series the recidivism series highlighting the gospel's role in south carolina prisons and south carolina's prison recidivism rate which is currently at 24 percent. so you're looking at nearly one out of every five only one out of every five going back into prison within three years of their release here's the interesting part on that because when we actually on part two of this we have a Christian university in South mm-hmm. Carolina, Columbia International University, that actually is going in and doing college-level courses for free for these incarcerated inmates. Their recidivism rate, 3%. 3%. That is one-eighth of what the state of South Carolina is doing. And that is just a phenomenal statement about how the gospel changes everything. I have a confession. I am a huge junkie for docu-series and documentaries. And so I'm not just saying this because Palmetto Families had a part in it. This is one of the best documentaries and docu-series that you're going to see. And all told in total runtime, it's less than 40 minutes long. In five different parts, you're going to want to watch the Recidivism Project on the Palmetto Family app. I want to also let you know at some point we're going to bring in the team and tell the story behind how this happened it literally was a conversation at ihop and and this the question that was asked about a gentleman by the name of frankie son you want to know more about this visit palmettofamily.org slash the recidivism series and you can catch a glimpse of what this docuseries is and how important and impactful it can be That's all the time we have here on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast today. As always, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, leave us that five-star review and rating so we can be seen by more and more people across the state and across the country. Have a great week, everyone, and we will talk to you again on Friday.